This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I am your host, Arzu, and with me is my lovely friend, Hannah. Hey! So we are continuing our series on Masters and Padawans of the High Republic, and Hannah's Master Padawan pair of choice is Jorah Mali and Reith Silas. So I am super excited to talk about them because I feel like they don't get enough love. But before we get there, I want to start by like framing this the way I framed this in our earlier episodes. And that's by talking about on-screen masters and Padawans. So when we think about on-screen masters and Padawans, when you think about on-screen, so TV and movies, both fair game, who to you is like the quintessential master Padawan pair? Yeah, for me, I think when when I think master and Padawan, I automatically go to, and I'm looking right at it, is Master and Apprentice with Claudia Gray, who in, ironically enough introduced Wreath and Jorah a little bit further into, into the dark. And I think of Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan. They're just, I don't know. I don't know why. They just seem like the OG to me. Cause I think it was the first time when I was watching the movies that I'm like, oh, I understand kind of a little bit of this dynamic and how it works or doesn't work in the sense of like a student teacher relationship. I really like that. Cause I feel like a lot of times we see, I, I don't know. I feel like there is a lot of attention given to the master that Qui-Gon could have been to Anakin, but I feel like we don't think enough about the master that he was to Obi-Wan. Because a lot, you essentially raise, you raise your Padawan, basically. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the man that Obi-Wan becomes is because of the man who raised him. And I I like that because I don't think we think about that enough. No, I honestly don't think we do now. And I was actually also thinking of a line from the Revenge of the Sith novel where it was talking, I'm going to butcher this horribly. So everyone, please forgive me. I love that book, but I cannot remember all of it. But it was talking about how like Obi-Wan has become the Jedi that Qui-Gon always hoped and saw that he could be. So in, in a sense, yeah, like you said, it's just Obi-Wan did become a great Jedi by virtue of his own will and strength. But a lot of those foundations were laid because of the interactions he had with Qui-Gon and teaching Anakin at such a young age. But everything that he tried to do, he tried to emulate Qui-Gon, especially mm-hmm. early on. <clears throat> this me. is actually a really good, I think, segue into the High Republic because <laughs> Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are sort of that last vestige of traditional Jedi that we mm-hmm. see. Because, I mean, we do have another decade after Qui-Gon's death of that sort of quote-unquote traditional Jedi life, but we don't see much of it. And then war breaks out and everything changes in wartime. Like, we see it even in the High Republic that once mm-hmm. the Nile and the Drangir become a problem, everybody's life kind of gets thrown up in the air. Mm-hmm. So... Looking now at Jorah and Wraith as as a master Padawan pair, do you feel like they have had, I guess, had that same energy or do you think it's something different? Like, I want to know, like, what appeals to you about them? I really like them, especially in the terms of looking at it through a Qui-Gon Obi-Wan context, because I feel like Jorah and Wraith are opposites of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan whereas like Qui-Gon's the master and Obi-Wan's kind of like oh I'm just here for the ride I don't really agree with what my master is I think Jorah's more of actually no I, I take that back they're not mirror they're not mirrors of each other because I feel like they're 
they're actually the same almost because Jorah has been described as hot-headed. She's on the council. She kind of thinks before she does things. She's very passionate about her beliefs and what she wants to do. And Rhys like, why can't we just stay in the archives? Why are we doing this? And I feel like Obi-Wan was the same way with Qui-Gon. Like you kind of see that in Master and Apprentice where he's like, why the hell are we helping all of these useless life forms? And I mean, you, he, you hear him say that in the Phantom Menace where he's like, oh my God, we picked up another stray. Like, yeah. what are we doing? So I, I, I love that mirror comparison, but I find it interesting that Jorah's on the Jedi Council and Qui-Gon's not. I think that really speaks to kind of how the Republic started, the Jedi and the Republic kind of started to decline and get more closely intertwined with each other than they probably should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and Qui-Gon could see that. And he's like, mm, nah. And I feel like Jorah, if she was alive during like the prequel era, I feel like she would have been the same way. Yeah, I feel like by the time we get to the prequels, the Jedi are in a way where they're like, okay, Jorah Mali was a bit of a loose cannon. Um, oh, yeah. Qui-Gon, you I can't be a loose cannon if you want to be on the council. <laughs> exactly. And Qui-Gon's like, in that case, never mind. Um, He's like, nah. I'm good. But what I think is interesting is how much, I guess, we get from their dynamic, given that we don't actually see them together all that much. Mm-mm. No, because what, Into the Dark, she spoiler alert she dies very early on very very early on in that and through the book wreath is struggling with that we, we get a lot of uh, perspective from wreath during <laughs> the story but um we don't really get to see a lot of her outside of what we kind of saw with light of the jedi like those brief glimpses mm-hmm. and kind of wreath's own perspective from what he learned from her and kind of what he saw through and what des even talked about so I know I do find it very interesting just how much, inf- but she's always like any time that they speak of her, like it's always something like very profound or very, or she, she made an impression wherever she went is kind of what I got from, yeah. from her and kind of based off of Des and Wreath. Like they're just like, yeah, she's just larger than life. She's this epitome of a Jedi master, but they both took v- such very different lessons from her. Like they're both very extremes of her teaching like des is very adventurous very charismatic very outgoing and wreath is like for the love of god i just again i just want to stay in the library and read my books even uh claudia gray when she was creating wreath kind of described him as like a a male version of hermione granger where it's like a very bookish very smart and eventually learns that like you can break rules along the way and it's okay like the galaxy will not explode (laughs) You can put the book down and go outside. Like, go touch some grass, Wreath. It's okay. Like, you're going to be fine. Also, like, one thing I just love about Wreath, not to do with Jorah, but just maybe it had to do with Jorah and sort of, I don't know, her influence, because I don't see him getting this anywhere else. But my God, this boy just loves love. Like, he does. He's He's just so so open-hearted and so sweet and so willing to trust people and love people and he's constantly having crushes and I just love this about him he is he's so sweet I just I remember the first time like they introduced Nan and I'm like nah that's sus and Reed was like I'm in love and I'm like oh you sweet summer child you're just so cute I just love this because anytime we have explicit feeling in Star Wars it's always 
galaxy changing consequences. It's mm-hmm. not even just on screen. It's like Lost Stars, like Star Crossed Romance, or like Dark Disciple <laughs> is this intense like thing between Quinlan Quinlan and um Asajj Ventress. It's it's always like so life changing and intense. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wreath is just like, she's pretty. <laughs> we need more of this honestly oh and again this goes back to what i love about the high republic is just how grounding it can be like it's like because what into the dark is for that middle grade reading where it's like oh he's experiencing a crush on i think it was like he even likes Vern a little bit to some degree he's got got a crush crush on on Vern. he's got a crush on nan who's got nan's got a crush on mark young roe which let's i'm sorry reese you cannot compete with this like (laughs) so sorry she I mean, Reese is very cute, but the girl's got taste. Yeah. Um, oh, well. I just like the the little grounded details, like like Reese not wanting to go to the illegal party that the Padawans are throwing with, as I keep putting it, <laughs> the moonshine they made in the bathtub. Like, he doesn't want to go because this- he'd rather be in his room reading. And I feel like Jorah's like, could you please just go Please outside? go break a rule for something just to make me feel better. It's like, I will absolve you, but please go break a rule. <laughs> And I love that about Reef because I think the reason why I I loved his character so much initially I was like okay he's a little bit too of a goody goody and just kind of a little too bookish but he reminds me a lot of me when I was younger mm. like I was the kid that got in trouble reading under desks at school and I mean I always had my homework done of course, of course. and it was always right. So it was just, it was one of those things where it's like, I was the person people went to like book questions, things like that, English things. And I never got in trouble. Like I was always that person. And then as I got older, I started getting a little bit more into trouble. But even then it was always kind of like, I don't, I don't like crossing those lines of breaking rules because it makes me anxious because I'm, I'm a genuine people pleaser. So I feel that in Wreath. I feel like he just want, he just works so freaking hard. Because he doesn't have the natural ability, like natural force ability, like Vern, like Bell. And he's got a freaking master on the Jedi Council. Like, that's a lot of pressure for a kid. And what they're like 14, 15, if it, just from what I got, mean, maybe a little bit older, yeah. But even but, then, like, even then, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. That's like having your dad be the CEO of a company and you're just like the black sheep of the family. <laughs> He's like the CEO of some kind of accounting firm, Mm -hmm. and you're not all that good at math. No. But you work there anyway. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what that is. And I I feel Reef's anxiety like it was my own, because I'm pretty sure it probably is at some point in time. Oh, I completely feel that. I was was and still am, by the way, for the record. The one who, like, (laughs) won't break the rule, because the one time I do will be the time everybody gets caught. Everybody gets caught and you get in trouble for it. And it's not even like I did anything different. But mm-hmm. that will be the one time everybody gets caught is when mm-hmm. I'm there. So I just, I understand Reef being like, you know what? I'm good. But okay, so tying this back, I think to Claudia Gray, especially because she's the one who really introduced Reef. I do think it's interesting that she gives. I know Rail Avros wasn't Qui-Gon's apprentice, right? It was no, they were friends he was dooku's apprentice though yeah he was dooku's apprentice they both were dooku's apprentice yes yeah okay so i know that like rail wasn't qui-gon's apprentice but he does sort of fill that role for obi-wan i think sort Mm -hmm. of of like this is an not an alternate scenario but this is what somebody with the same sort of quote unquote family tree 
could mm-hmm. end up being like. And I like that we have Des for that. Like he is such a rail to Breath's Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. And I oh, wonder no, what I... you thought of like because that's I think the closest thing we get to really seeing Wreath and Jorah's dynamic, at least in my opinion, is mm-hmm. by seeing how he contrasts to Des, mm-hmm. yeah, which just is the other con- person that she essentially raised. And again, it's just a study in complete opposites. And I I like Des a lot for because initially I had kind of the same reaction as Wreath when he first showed up. It's like, oh my god, it's going to be like a competition between these two current Padawan versus former Padawan. But I was actually really impressed with Wreath. Like, yeah, he was like kind of that happy-go-lucky, devil-may-care type character, but he genuinely cares about Wreath and wants to mentor him. Just like kind of how Rail wanted to do for Obi-Wan, being Mm. like, hey, this is kind of how Qui-Gon ticks. This is kind of just his little weird quirks. This is what he struggled with as a Padawan. Like, this is nothing new, so you don't have to stress out as much. And I think Des really tries to do that, but I think he's mildly oblivious to how um, (laughs) just how Wreath is very jealous of him. Like that's 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 what it is. Like if Reith had gills, they would be green. Like yeah, because Des Des is pretty much the epitome of a Jedi Knight in his prime. Mm-hmm. And Des and Reith is like I can barely use the Force to influence minds. Like let alone do whatever it is Des is doing. I almost wonder. This might be in the book, and I'm just drawing a blank because. There's a lot of them and it has been a while. Um, But I almost wonder if part of Wreath's insistence on not seeking adventure and seeking out books instead is that he's like, well, I can't be that. Mm -hmm. So I can be this instead. Yeah. Like this is where I know I'm good at doing things. So why not excel at this and make sure everybody knows that I, that I'm like, I'm not Des. He, he really wants to separate himself from Des. Mm -hmm. And I agree. Like he does it by, being the most book smart, being the hardest worker in the room and not making himself stand out in kind of the way Des does through his personality. Yeah. I think he, that's not something Reith ever wants for himself. No. I'm good. <laughs> Reith so, is like, please don't pay attention to me. Just do not. <laughs> I do not wish to be perceived. I do not wish to be perceived at all. So then, you know, obviously he does lose his master and he's not 25 like Obi-Wan was. So Mm -hmm. they don't just battlefield promote him. They're like, okay, you need a new one. (laughs) And he ends up seeking out Comac instead, Mm -hmm. who does seem to sort of vibe similarly Mm -hmm. to him in a way that maybe Jorah didn't. And we obviously haven't gotten the end of that yet. I feel like their big story is coming with Midnight Horizon. Mm -hmm. But I wonder like what your thoughts on their dynamic are as contrasted to what we know about Reef and Jorah. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that because I think there is some benefit in saying opposites attract. I think Jorah was really good for Reef in getting him kind of out of his shell, kind of more or less shoving him off the cliff of, come on, let's go. Let's go on adventures. Let's out, go out do of things. The nest, fly baby bird. Out of the nest. She just like drop kicked him out of the nest. That's, <laughs> that's how Jorah works. And I love her for it. So I'd love to have her as a master. That'd be awesome. She and I'd get along very well. The chaos. The chaos that would ensue. I would have such a great time. I don't think anybody else would, but we would. But you're having fun, so that's okay. I know. That's all that matters. I think, and like you said, Reet didn't come... Comac, I'm going to butcher that one. I'm sorry. I struggle with that one. Um, I think they're so similar. It's a little eerie. Mm-hmm. And I think 
I think that could backfire in a really big way. And obviously coming up in Midnight Horizon, we're going to kind of see, like you said, a little bit more of that dynamic. But there's something to be said about opposites where you have Reith who's a little bit more careful, a little bit more cautious, and you have Dora who just kind of does her thing and is kind of that renegade. They balance each other out in a way and they kind of push each other. Like Jorah pushed Reith to become more adventurous and Reith kind of made Jorah consider, okay, how do I deal with a Padawan who maybe isn't as boisterous or outgoing as Des was? I think it was a learning experience for both of them and good for them. So I'm sad we didn't get to see how that relationship was going to play out. With Reith and Comac, I think they both are very much comfortable where they are. Like even Comac didn't really want Reith as a Padawan all that much. Like he he took them on as as he should. And I think that's great. It shows a lot of maturity for Comac. Um, but I think pushing in terms of challenging and pushing each other, I think it's going to take a situation outside of the pair of them to mm -hmm. really get them working well as a team. Which is but that's just, what Midnight Horizon is going to be. Exactly. I think they're, I think they're going to be pushed into something that is, I think Reef is going to have to pull from what he learned from Jorah and Comac's really going to have to kind of dig deep and get out of his comfort zone too. Cause I, Comac kind of strikes me as like a bookish Indiana Jones. <laughs> He like is from a little bit from everything I've gotten from him, like he loves he loves all the history and the artifacts and stuff, but he's very much more of the desk version of Indiana Jones rather than the actual Indiana Jones that goes out and like fights the Nazis. I mean, he will go out and fight them, but at the end of the day, he's like, I just want to go back to my museum. Exactly, that that's all he wants, and so yeah, I think it's going to take something pretty extraordinary to make them kind of click as a team. Because even now, like when we when we finish that particular part of their story. I was just kind of sitting there going, this seems really awkward. It, 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 like the relationship the, felt very like, awkward. With Out of the Shadows or Into the Dark? Um, the first or second book? Like the one where they come together or the one where they are together the whole time? Second one. It so just, out, out of the Shadows. Out of the Shadows, yeah. It just still felt very stilted and awkward to me. I know they're probably still trying to figure each other out. Mm -hmm. But it, it's just like, okay. This will, I think it'll be interesting because they just – Obviously, the loss of somebody's master, like that's that's akin to like losing a limb or something, just because you have such a close bond with them. Yeah. So I think in Comax, like, okay, how am I going to live up to being another a, a master to Wreath when his master was freaking Jora Morali? Oh my goodness, did I say that Jorah right? Jora Mali. Sorry, I couldn't. Oh, remember I'm always adding name. letters. Like I, I didn't <laughs> realize so Comac's last name was Vitus until somebody else said it. Oh, we are hooked on phonics like, here in the High Republic. There somewhere. There's an R in Comac Vitus in my head. I don't know where, but it's there. Um, it's just there. But, but yeah, yeah. Like so, we, I think I think Jora is going to hang is going to loom large over both of them. Wreath with her memory and Comac trying to live up to what she like, just just who she was and what she was. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like one of the big things that's going to come up between Wreath and Comac now is not only just Jorah herself, but the fact that Comac's kind of whole approach to you've lost your master is like, but we're not allowed to feel these things. And obviously for him, it was deeply unhealthy to not feel anything when his master died. Mm -hmm. Or like not to not feel anything. He definitely did, but to like push it down and not mm -hmm. think about it. Like he was obviously deeply unhealthy, but he doesn't realize it was deeply unhealthy. He sees it as necessary mm -hmm. and he's pushing the same onto Reef, which mm -hmm. I think might possibly be why things feel so stilted between them because mm 
Reith has never been allowed to mourn the loss of what was essentially a parent mm -hmm. before going on to a new one. So I wonder like how large you think this idea of grief and not giving into your grief and not allowing yourself to feel, you know, anger, hate, suffering, whatever, how large you think that's then going to loom over them as a pair? One thing that the High Republic has been really good at is dealing with the emotional aspect of being a Jedi. And I think that's something we haven't really gotten to see a lot of, at least, at least in the movies. We got a little bit of it through the TV shows, like with Clone Wars and whatnot. But we, I mean, we get talks about like people's attack, like Jedi attachments. I mean, Elzar Man, my God, the man. And his attachments. Let's and his attachments. For the third time on this series, we are just <laughs> Elzar Man and his choices. Three for three. We're just going to keep it up. It's going to be like a bingo card. Everyone just take a drink every time That's we talk about Elzar. The is Elzar Man's <laughs> attachments get brought up. But I mean, it's, but it's the reason why it keeps getting brought up is because it's such a novelty within Star Wars and the Jedi themselves. Like we have Avar. Who does it? Who pushes all that to the side? We have Stellan, who does the exact same thing, and we get um, it, it. You mainly see it in like the younger generation, like with Bell, with even um, I'm, Gungi. Is it no? Not Gungi. That's Clone no, that's Wars. Furry. Furry. I'm getting my Wookiee Jedi mixed up. I'm so sorry. Both very sweet boys, though. Yes, and even um, Keeve. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of Keeve. Like they have so much emotion, and it could be because of their age. But it's so nice to see, like, that enthusiastic, normal emotion mm -hmm. that all normal species in Star Wars have. Like, your anger, your passion, things like that. And then you have these older Jedi who are like, bury it down in your feet until I die. And that's and how even we Even then. Even then. We feel nothing when I die. <laughs> we feel nothing. So I think, to kind of get back to the question, because I got off the rails a little... I think it's I think it's gonna be a huge thing. I I think Comac's gonna have to deal with it and realize like, yeah, maybe I'm teaching this kid wrong. Maybe this isn't the right way to deal with it. And I think Reith is gonna have a, for lack of a better phrase, come to Jesus moment where he's like, No, I've got to let this out. Like I cannot keep this in anymore. Cause I mean he's still 17. For hell's sake, how much how emotionally stable were any of us at 17? Not in the slightest. Still not. Let's be real. Honestly, though. Let's be real. None of us really are. But, like, you're in the middle of a war. You just lost your master. You're, you're with another master who does not want to talk about what you desperately want to talk about. And you're just expected to continue. Like, you can only hold that down for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, regardless of what anybody says, I don't care if you're 35 or you're 15. Like, it, and again, with the thought that they're going to be put in a very stressful situation in Midnight Horizons where they're going to have to deal with this, I'm 98% certain because the High Republic is nothing but pain. Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering if they're both going to make it out of this alive at this uh, point. Yeah. The, the fact that we don't know that. <laughs> we, so like, just... we, as of recording, are what is it it's november so we're like a month and a half out from wave three of the high republic so we have no idea yeah how any of this is going to shake and we're two and a half months out from midnight horizon so yep. we could come back two and a half months later and be like well we were really wrong about the all of this makeup is thick on this episode <laughs> two and a half months from now pasting it on but yeah i think one of the like for me one of the 
scariest things about Wraith and his grief and all of this is that, okay, your master doesn't want to talk about it because this is the dogma they were raised with. This is the dogma they bought into. They are all like this one way or another. Like we see with Keeve and Skier, where Skier's like, I'm dying, but it's like, fine, don't worry. Just like move on with your life. And Keeve's like, I'm sorry, what? So like, they're all like this, but mm-hmm. among their peers, you would assume it would be different because they're all kind of in that same place mentally. And they've all got masters telling them the same thing. But what concerns me is Reef doesn't really have friends. Like none of them really seem to have close friends. Mm-mm. And I don't know if this is a byproduct of no attachment where they just naturally try not to attach to each other. Because we see, obviously, that's not the case. Stellan and Elzar are clearly very close, like mm-hmm. BFFs. So I this is just me like musing on poor Wreath, but I'm almost wondering if this is what Des could have been for him because Des would really understand everything. But then Des had his whole ordeal with the Drangir and now he's taken like essentially a vow of isolation and silence. So he's no help at all. No. But I, that, that really is an interesting point to bring up. Cause like we were talking about, like for all of their emotions and passions and feelings and that all of these younger uh, Padawans have, they really don't have a lot of people to lean on besides their masters. It's a very, not unhealthy. Cause I don't want to say that. I feel like a lot of the masters that they, that they all have had have very good relationships with them. It's just the, again, the byproduct of the dogma of the Jedi order, which I'm sure contributes in some great way to its downfall. Can't imagine oh, why. Sure. No, not at all. This, yeah, this won't go. Bad masters. Like, no, none of them are bad. Not bad people. No, no, none of them are. It's it, but it's the handling of these emotions in in a very trying time where the the basically the Jedi are at war now. They're at war for Friday the first time in thousands of years, and they're like what like they're like we're dealing with our crap we're dealing with the nihil the dringer the senate now asking us to do all these ridiculous things and now we've got our padawans that we have to worry about and keep safe so it's easier to keep them almost at arm's distance and being like hey like no attachments don't like we're at war people could die like don't attach yourself to anything and so they're like and so they're like 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 kids do you just shut down emotionally and you're like okay, I don't, I don't have a good way to deal with this. I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to talk to friends. I don't know how to, I don't know if, know if I have friends because they could be dead tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes for a very untethered and very isolated existence that's not healthy. And like you said with Wreath, he doesn't have anybody really to talk to. And, yeah. and neither does Vern. Vern's freaking 16 is 17, 18. He's got a freaking Padawan. Like the poor girl, like she needs yeah. a nap. The girl needs a nap. Bell just lost his master. Who who the heck is he going to talk to about this? Like him and Reef, I could see a potential for him and Reef. Yeah, but to have a really good relationship with that. But everybody is equally traumatized by what happened to Bell. <laughs> yeah, we are equally traumatized. Are, <laughs> this is why we're talking. This is why this <laughs> this particular episode exists. We're both so traumatized. We're like, we got to get this out. <laughs> um. So you brought up Vernestra, which made me think like as you were as you were talking that like none of them have friends but if you think about like Vernestra who I also think doesn't really have friends but and it's harder for her too because she's like of an age with like Keeve and Wreath and all of them but she's like their boss almost Mm -hmm. so she's at a different rank at a different level different responsibilities 
even though her emotional maturity is about the same. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to think about Vernestra because we do see her more than the others interacting with people roughly her age. Like there's a- Avon Staros mm-hmm. in A Test of Courage and then later Imri who becomes her Padawan. And there's one other kid in A Test of Courage, but note this is the one she's the least close to. I think his name's Harmony, but I could be wrong. Possible. Anyway, but the thing I find interesting is the two kids, like roughly her age, that she is closest to, she sees in this kind of parental almost view. Like she is Avon, yeah, Avon's chaperone. She is Imri's master. It's almost like she doesn't know how to have a peer to peer relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I completely agree with that because she. Every time I read Vernestra, she just fascinates me because she's always. I'm always taken aback every time about how young she is. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about, I'm like, I could not have handled this type of responsibility at what? How old is she? 17? Yes. 17, 18? Yeah. 17 could by not, the time Out of the Shadows came out. Could not have handled that type of responsibility. But like you said, she just has this very adult-like way of it, interacting with people her age, older than her, younger than her. And it's almost awkward. Like mm-hmm. I feel bad for her. Like it's very awkward and I feel bad for her just be, and it's not because of the writing. Like they do a good job of translating those particular relationships that she has. But I think just because of her age and her responsibilities and duties, and you, you kind of see how messed up the Jedi order is mm-hmm. that they're like, yep, this girl's, she's such a prodigy and stuff like let's just make her a jedi knight let's give her a mat let's give her a, an apprentice and let's and, and just go there's no and you kind of see it in her relationship with Stellan too where she doesn't really feel like she can talk to him about anything she's like who the who the heck do i talk to about having these visions being just trying to navigate this particular relate master apprentice relationship with emory like she doesn't have anybody yeah and that's a lot of responsibility for a again, 17, 18 year old to have, I don't know. I'd, I'd personally have a nervous breakdown. I feel like she's going to. I, I, yeah, I feel like she's going to have a nervous breakdown at some point or because she's a Jedi, it'll probably be something worse. Yeah. Like, so just cause, so you mentioning that the Jedi order with regards to Vanessa, especially is like particularly messed up. Like, yeah, let's just let this 16 year old take the trial for knighthood. Mm-hmm. And have a Padawan. And, like, at no point does anybody stop her. Nobody stops Stellan. And, like, I think I was fig- – I don't know who I was figuring this out with. I think it was, it was Candace or Hope. But, you know, if, if a Jedi Knight takes a Padawan at – when they're 12, say, by the time we meet Vernestra at 16, she's already been a knight for a year. So mm-hmm. Stellan was only ever really her master for about three years. Mm-hmm which is not the length of time that any of them expect to have with their masters. I feel like it was very quick. Mm-hmm. It was almost like an apprenticeship. Like, again, I know they call them apprentices. But in, in a Bear very literal me. sense, yeah. In a very little, it's almost like an internship. Like, mm-hmm. you're there and you're gone. Like, you don't really get to form those relationships or closeness with somebody sharing your life day to day. And I'm going to use my life as an example right now. I live with people. I live with the same six, seven people for 24 hours a day for a third of the year. You get to know people really, really darn well over the course of a 15, 30 year career because of, you're in such a proximity to them. And something like the Jedi, who obviously have much more responsibilities, they're faking in space. Bear with me here. 
many more responsibilities and like incredible abilities and you just give this poor child three years at at a very formative young age again I don't know how alien pubet prepubescence works or teen years work so we're just going to go off the human one and you're dealing with all these emotions you're dealing with all these like just changes in your life and just the way you view yourself and the world around you mm-hmm. and all of a sudden before you're even out of that phase they're like hi bye we expect you to act like an adult and and you don't have those relationships that you need to emotionally and stably ground yourself in yeah. Like even in human, even in our world, like that's incredibly messed up. Yeah. It's Sorry. like, no, you're right. You're right. I just think that the, like, it almost feels as if Stellan was like one of those parents who means well, but isn't super present, isn't the kind of parent that you as a child would have wanted for yourself. So that when you later become a parent, you're like, well, I'm not going to be like that, mm-hmm. but overcompensating in the other direction. Mm-hmm. like yep. she was just so determined to not be that that she maybe launched into it way before she was ready mm-hmm. yeah, which I almost makes it... me wonder what went wrong with Stellan and his master because I think she, he's much like Reef in that I think his master was on the council yes because she was a Duros I think yeah for some, reason, for some reason that just that random piece of information <laughs> is in my head I know that <laughs> Rana can't yeah she seemed I Stellan almost, from the interactions I got, Stellan almost seemed a little afraid of her. Yeah, I get the same sense. Yeah. So maybe he didn't even really know how to parent. And then they're like, take a student. And he's like, okay, what do I do with this? He's the person holding the baby out front going, what do I do with this thing? He's like, they're like, support the head. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think Stellan means well. Like we said, like, I think all of the Jedi masters mean very well when it comes to their apprentices. But I, again, we're going to circle back to Jorah and Reef. Mm-hmm. I think Jorah has done the best out of almost all of them in terms of trying to both push her Padawan to become their own person while also trying to teach them what they know and how, and just how to live life, how mm-hmm. to just interact and be more than just a stone Jedi being like the celibate wizard monks that everybody thinks they are. Like she's trying to teach Reith how to live. And I think that is such a huge tragedy that she didn't get to see him reach his full potential that I think, I hope we get to see if he doesn't die. Okay, look, um, my one source of comfort is that Daniel Jose Older is writing his story mm-hmm. and Daniel Jose Older makes things hurt Mm-hmm, he does. But never like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is true. Like, last shot hurts, but it doesn't hurt like that. Mm-hmm. So that's it's my not, one comfort. It's not the crippling agony it's of, not, Charles, of Charles and It's not Charles and Kevin. Kevin's crippling agony. It's not yep. Claudia's, um, oh, rip your heart out. This heart, let me rip it out of your chest. It's not... <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's gonna, still gonna hurt, but not like that with a capital T. Yeah. So Daniel Jose Older, we are counting on you. You're our only hope. Um, <laughs> he's gonna, I can just see, he's gonna hear this and just get, be like, hold on, I gotta make more edits. I, I need to prove them wrong. <laughs> just sends an email to 
to um and he's publishing at Disney. He's like sending an email to Disney going, hang on, I need to make an edit. I need to do something. I need to crush it a little like bit that. more. Oh my god. Yeah, Daniel, please don't. We love you. Please don't do that to us. Please don't hurt them. All right. So any final thoughts? Pain is coming and it's coming in January. I'm None I'm so excited though. I'm I'm so excited to see more of Reed's story. I'm excited to see just all of the emotional damage that these books are going to do to us. But on it, I, I love seeing, I love the fact that from what I've, what we've all read in what we've seen in the movies, what we've read in the books, that none of these are the same relationship. Every dynamic's a little different. Every interaction is so different. And I love how the masters and the apprentices, regardless of medium, bring out the best in each other. And I'm excited to see what the best in Wreath and Comac look like and how they honor Jora. I like that. I like th- I like that optimism that they all bring out the best in each other, even though we just sat here dragging Stellan <laughs> and we were dragging like everybody else. We're dragging Vernestra. Like, but they I know. truly, I think they do bring out the best in, in their Padawans and in their masters, respectively. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. So Hannah, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Absolutely. So I am one seventh of followers of the Force podcast. So you can come check us out there. We have a happy hour every Saturday at 7pm. I will not be on this week because I will be at work. But you can always come and say hi to me on Twitter or Instagram at Beskar underscore Kyber 15. And we can all debate about our favorite master and apprentice relationships. Cool. So as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Arzomine, and that's where you can get all of the Space Waffles updates as well. Um, You can find this show and the others under the Geeky Waffle umbrella all on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Geeky Waffle. We are also at thegeekywaffle.com. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle, where you can go to check out things like our Discord server and Waffles After Dark. So thank you all so much for listening. Put the book down, touch some grass, and may the waffles be with you.